Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos and today we're going to be talking about chaining behaviours. It's a little bit of training revision and it's talking more about the practicality of our training and what you're actually doing in the hands-on side of our training. So, really important that we define what does chaining behaviours mean. So, a lot of the times when we're training with our dogs, a lot of people can be stuck in a pattern or just be rewarding every behaviour as it happens. So it's important here that we start to understand that we want a chain of behaviors. So think of a chain and think of every link within a chain and that each link creates the chain. So for example, I told my dog to down, I told my dog to come, told my dog to middle, I told my dog to heal, and then I may reward. Or I may do the exact same process and may not reward and then do the same chain of behaviors again if I want to strengthen that specific chain of behaviors, or I may switch it up so that my dog's not anticipating what's going to come. So the chain of behavior is that in a practical sense, let's just say you've opened the the front gate to go get your mail, your dog runs out to go, and as he comes out to have a little sniff and do a toilet break, he's off the leash, he sees a dog at the end of your driveway, he starts to run up to go say hi to that dog. You don't want your dog to say hi to that dog for whatever reason. So then you call your dog to come, you want him to down, you want to be able to walk away so you can get the mail out, and then you may release him or tell him go inside. So that there is a mini chain of behaviours, and it's a very practical sense of the utilization of our commands. Otherwise, if you only call your dog to come, he comes and then you pay him, you feed him, and then that's the end of it, he just runs off, then we may not have a practical sense because in reality, the recall is to get him to come back to you. The down is for him to stay in one position until you tell him otherwise. So, and if you are going out to get the mail and you don't have rewards on you, you don't want your dog to think, oh, well, I'm not going to do it, you don't have treats on you, Number one, number two is that you don't want your dog to think, well, I've done the recall, I did the down, I'm not getting my my reward, what the hell's going on? So then he gets up and he runs away from you to go to a higher value reward. So if you haven't got very good control and your dog doesn't recall or down in your front yard around the presence of other dogs, then you should manage and mitigate your situation a little bit better so you're not setting your dog up for failure, running up to the wrong dog and getting into a fight or just running up away from you and saying hi to other dogs. So, really important that just a quick little revision here that the definition of continuous reinforcement and intermittent reinforcement. So, continuous reinforcement means that you pay your dog or you reward your dog every single time your dog does the behavior. So, for example, we use the continuous reinforcement for when we're teaching our dog a new behavior. So, let's just say our dog doesn't know how to lay down on command. So we issue, we lure our dog into position. Every dog, your dog shows competence within the behavior or effort towards the behavior. You mark and reward every single time and then you release him. Continuous reinforcement is good when learning a new behavior, but when we're training the behavior and we're trying to make it more of a reliable behavior on cue, 
you have to go and the and you know when you're out of the learning phase and into the training phase when you give your dog your command down and he does it 10 times out of 10 in a row now you know that your dog understands the behavior and because now he understands the behavior on cue now you must go from continuously reinforcing him rewarding him every single time he does it to intermittently reinforcing him which is not just random but random in a sense where it's based on his effort of how good he does it and also not in a set pattern. Like you don't reward every second one or every third one. You reward purely intermittently. And what happens when rewarding intermittently, and you guys, if you're regular listeners, you're like, all right, we understand you've said it heaps of times, but I think repeating these concepts, some of these fundamental concepts are really important because every time you hear it and every time you apply these concepts within your training, the more of a deeper understanding you have of it because it's not just psychological it's not a psychological topic. This this also becomes a very neurological topic because the intermittent reinforcement makes your dog know when do I get it. I don't know when I'm going to get it, so I'm going to be more likely to do the behavior because I don't know when it's going to come. Very much like a gambler hitting the poker machine button compared to a vending machine where you're guaranteed to get the reward every single time you put the money in. Intermittent reinforcement, yes, it strengthens the behavior and it keeps your dog guessing but on the layer of neurology, it's creating more dopamine, more of a rush of that molecule, which is responsible for anticipation and for I'm going to get the reward. I just don't know when. And ironically, when you know more about dopamine, it's, it's responsible for your drive and motivation for doing the behavior in hope you will get the reward. You don't get dopamine when you've gotten the reward. Once you, once any organism gets the reward, the dopamine goes away until more behavior is occurring in pursuit of the reward. So dopamine is responsible for its anticipation of the reward. I'm going to do this hard work because I know a reward may come rather than thinking, Oh, I'm, I got dopamine because I got the, those rewards. Yes, kind of, but it, again, it's it's. We, I'm thinking we should do it, an episode on dopamine. I'm no neurologist or or a biologist understanding the 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 the, mole- the molecular structure of this. But in terms of how it comes out in our training and in our behavior, it's really important to understand these concepts. So, intermittent reinforcement and tying this into chaining behaviors. Think about it. If I call my doctor, come. And I don't pay him. I tell him to down and I don't pay him. I tell him to middle and I don't pay him. I tell him to heal. I don't pay him. I walk three or four steps. Then I mark it. Then he gets his reward and he's like, all right, cool. So it's the chain of every time you give me. And again, side note, when people tell me my dog only comes to me when he knows I have food, I say to those people, how does your dog know you have food? Like, what is the function of that? Are you holding a treat in your hand? Have you showed it to him? Do you have your pouch on? Like, is there is there a visual or or a or a scent cue, or is it that? And I offer this: is that every time you give your dog a command, he should think that you have food. That's the point of intermittent reinforcement: is that when you give these commands, this is where it creates that. Oh my God, he's given the command. He may throw the ball. He may give me tug. He may give me the the ball or, or access to something. And that's what we really want. That's that's the level of training that we're looking for. So, for example, yesterday, my dogs were off the lead down the street. And it was like late at night, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. The only free time I had to walk them. And I wanted 
spades to come to me and Nokia to come to me because they're both sniffing something. And it wasn't like in a massive hurry, but I purposely didn't give their formal recall. The And for those two dogs, it's come. Or even if Chili was distracted by something and sniffing something and I wanted him to come, I didn't give him his formal command, Ella. What I did was I'm like, here, come on, over here, over here. The reason why is because not all the time do I want to give these formal commands and to water them down. If I don't, if it's not like 100% necessary, all I want them to do is come close to me so I can put the leash on. In this moment, I said, here, come on, over here, pop, 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 pop. And they just came to me. Informally, they just came and I just stood next to me. But the other day when I needed Nookie to come to me and she was off sniffing something or doing whatever, there was a dog coming. I was going to put the dogs on the lead. I'm like, hey, Nookie, come. She came to me. She ran up to me, uh, smashed her butt into the sit at my feet, ready to go. I clipped her on. I'm like, good girl. And she's like, oh, next time you'll reward me. And that's what I want. So if I keep giving these formal commands, then I not on an intermittent schedule anymore. I'm only rewarding so randomly that they have no idea that I will water it down and prove the behavior to go extinct. That's why you don't want to be rewarding a behavior every single time. And then the one or two times in a row, you tell your dog to do that behavior and you don't pay them. That continuous reinforcement is prone to extinction, which means you feed, 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 and then don't feed for three or four reps. The dog's like, I'm not going to do this anymore. So, Again, tying this back into training behaviors is that you want to get into practice. This is when you're training your dog, not for when you're asking them to do something for real. But when you're in your training, I gave the example down, walk away, come, middle, heel. Sometimes I'll say down, heel, middle, down, come. Or I switch up that pattern so much so that my dog's not thinking every command is going to lead to another command, leading to another command, leading to that potential reward. Because then your dog will only perform the monkey drill of the pattern that you've always done. That's why I always like to switch up which commands in which order I give in this chain, along with when do I pay. Because, for example, same command, I'm the same chain, down, come, middle, heel. There's times where I'll say down, come, and then pay the, the recall. He's like, oh, my God, I got paid for the recall. I thought I had to do the middle and the heel. And then I'll tell him, well, you shouldn't think that because I never give it so many times in a row for that exact same chain. Unless you're looking for a specific complex skill, like dog needs to get something, put that thing into the basket, come over to you or to like do a like a, a search, like, an, like, you know, searching for odor or, or scent, a particular scent in the room to like come into the room, go to the right, look around until you find the thing. Like I'm not asking for something so complex. All I'm asking for is... My dog needs to listen to what command I'm giving and the behavior that he's supposed to do when I give that command so that I have the reliability of it. So, when chaining your commands together, so for example, another example is your dog can just be standing in front of you. You can tell him heel, middle, down, walk off, recall, pay, like switch it up and only chain commands that your dog knows. So, if you're just working on the heel, for example, your dog to come into your left-hand side and stand next to you and look at you, if you're only just working on that in the chain, I would only work on the trained commands. If your dog's still learning a command, I would practice that independently until your dog shows a bit more reliability. So, my healing for Chili has gotten a little bit better now. So, now I can tell him to heal into from, from any position into the heel and I can walk like you know, at least five to 10 steps in every direction. I could do right about turns, left about turns. I could turn around in circles. I can get him to go into different behaviors from the heel. So now we're starting to play around with it. And of course I do this because my dog loves the ball, loves the tug. So I don't just throw it to him for free. I make him do stuff. Now there's times where, for example, last night, his healing was really nice. 
I told him to down, I walked away, I told him to heal. I walked up, turned around, did a circle, there was a dog barking next to us. He didn't even look at the dog, stared at me. I marked it, I threw the ball with a chuck it, and I threw the ball for another three or four times for free. He just brought it back, I threw it, brought it back. And that would be a bit of a jackpot there because I gave him access to the ball, many repetitions for free because I was happy with the behavior he did before. But even while he's in massive high drive and he's like, you can see he's getting starting to get tired, I'll ask him to down and to come. And then there, and then there's times as well where I bug him out. I'll come out and do a demonstration or when I'm training the dogs or I'm in a particular situation when the dog thinks I may get the ball in this certain context, I'll tell him to do a range of commands, release him just by saying, okay, and continue walking. Or I'll bring him out of the car, show a little demonstration and then release him and put him back in the car. And I do that on purpose. First of all, cause I don't always, while I'm demonstrating something to clients, I start training the dog and throwing the ball. That's taking time out of there, even though sometimes I do it so that I can demonstrate what it is that I want them to do with their dog. But I do it also just to demonstrate the command and put him away so that he thinks, oh, I did that chain of behaviors. I didn't get paid. Maybe next time. And that's what I really want him to think. I want him to think maybe next time, but I don't want him to think he ripped me off. I'm not going to do that ever again. So working on the specifics of chaining your behaviors together. And then, of course, you should be working on extra commands, the touch, the spin, rolling over, you know, sitting pretty. You can do a whole range of tricks so that you can have you have more behaviors to offer in this chain. Otherwise, you're doing sit down, come, sit down, come, sit down, come. It gets very boring over time. So what we did now in our in our group classes, we have blocks of four classes every Wednesday sort of thing. And now I'm starting to introduce, well, at the end of your your block on the fourth class, I want you to chain a bunch of behaviors together. So on the long lead, while there's dogs walking around us and doing whatever they do, the person demonstrating needs to be able to do the down for one minute while they walk circles around the dog, walk away to like about a meter or two from the bed. We then call the dog to come from the down then we ask them to go to their bed. They have to go to their bed and not be lured to the bed. I want them to run to their bed. And then from the bed, you ask them to middle. So they leave the bed, they come into middle, and then we release the dog. And that's the end of their little assessment sort of thing or demonstration. And there's no feeding in that. So it kind of gets people to a point where they have to be training that regularly enough so that they can do it on this on the day. But more importantly, I, I emphasize, I want you to do the same behaviors, but I want you to chain them all up so the dog doesn't think one behavior leads to another behavior leads to another one and you get paid. Sometimes you do want that. So when I was doing the NDTF course in the assessment was, for, and I chose the one where Ace had to get the toy, put the toy into the basket, grab the basket with his mouth and offer me the basket for me to reward him. He needed to do that five times in a row in a distracting environment on video with no edits, no stopping. I had to run right through to prove that I could teach the dog to do that complex skill. For him, I wanted the chain to be very set. I want, and for him, if I can remember correctly, it was like a decade ago, I'll tell him toy. Toy meant grab the toy, put the, bar, put the toy in the basket, get the basket, give it to me. So he had to do all that just on one command. But when teaching it to him, there were two separate commands, put the toy in the basket and basket in my hand. And I had to chain them together so that all I had to do was give one command and you did the whole thing. But you can imagine how that would backfire on you is if or every single time you tell your dog to down, you walk away, you say come and then you do heal. For example, if you always did that, then the dog's chain of behaviors is down means when you walk away, you're going to call me to come and he may assume it and run up to you. And that could be very dangerous if, for example, you're walking down the street, a child falls off a bike, 
hurts himself on the side of the road. You tell your dog to down, you drop the lead to go help the kid. The dog's like, it's been about 30 seconds. Normally you re- you recall me now and then he runs up to you. You want him in that situation to hold his down until you release him. So you can see there that the practicality of all of this is very important to consider when you are doing the training. So one of my clients, I taught his dog to do the roll, rolling over. So what he did was, big American staffy, he would, when we taught it to him, I told him, well, look, get the dog into the down and then we'll roll, we'll do the rolling from the down. And of course, I didn't explain it properly, obviously, because a week later, a week and a half later, he calls me up or maybe we we're in the session together. And he goes, Panos, I now get to the traffic lights. I told my dog to sit and the, the dog sits, downs and then rolls. And I said to him, he does that because you've created a chain of behaviors. So obviously, and I didn't teach him to do this, but he obviously misunderstood. He had the, the, the food. He would say, sit, down, roll pay the dog, sit down, roll, pay the dog, sit down, roll, pay the dog. And then you do this so often that now through classical conditioning, when one event leads to another event, which eventually leads to a reward, the dog hears the word sit and he goes, oh yeah, sit down, roll. That's what you want. So here, what I taught him to do was, no, you need to break that chain. That chain's no good for you. What you want is you want to be able to say roll from standing. So what we did was in the, in the session, we said roll, Half a second to a second later, we then gave the gesture for the roll. The dog lay down on its own and did the roll. So now we've isolated roll. So if you wanted to, you can say, come, roll, down, sit, or sit, down, roll. And you can do every different chain, but don't be so predictable. Otherwise, that pattern of behavior will ruin your effectiveness and your practicality of the command. So be mindful of that. Sometimes you want the chain of behaviors to be so set so that it all flows in together, or sometimes you want it to be completely random so that you have reliability for each command while while training the commands. Because, you can, again, you can imagine when I've got a very high-drive dog and I want to exercise his brain while exercising him physically, I want him to do a bunch of cool things, not just down, pay him, come, pay him, around, pay him. So with my dog, I'll say around, touch, down, middle, heel, walk, 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 down, come, pay him. Or I'll go middle, heel, down, okay. He's like, what? Or I'll say, come, heal, middle, pay him. So he doesn't know when it's going to come, but I'm chaining them all together frequently so that I have a reliability and specificness of each command means something specific. It's not in context of all the other commands. So change and switch those patterns. Now we do this for dynamic training. Like we want to make it dynamic enough so that your five to 10 minute training session with the ball becomes so mentally enriching. Or sometimes, for example, just side note, I told my dog to down, I hold him in the down for like a minute and a half while I throw the ball for Nookie, then I'll pay him. So he doesn't know when it's going to come. And that creates that dynamic notion of he's not just looking at my patterns. I'm so unpredictable Predictable because the commands mean the same thing. Unpredictable in the pattern that they happen and the chains that I offer that my dog's always generally looking and listening to me. So when I give the command, when I need him to, I have more reliability. So remember, practice it when you don't need it. So when you need it, you've got it. And also, also as I mentioned before, you got to know when to jackpot. So a jackpot would be either yes and food, yes and food, yes and food, yes and food, and giving him four or five reward markers in a, in a row and paying every single time you give the marker. Or you say one yes and give him a massive handful of food or the rest of the food you have on offer. Or like what I said with Chili with the ball is I'll call him to come, do the thing, and he did it really good, did the best healing or whatever. And then I would mark it, throw it like chop, 
throw the ball, and then I'd just throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, either for the rest of the session or for four or five in a row. And then again, if he starts getting too used to that, then that's what he's going to expect. So sometimes in amongst that, I'll offer another command. So you can see here that there's enough here for you to practice when you're at home and in the front yard, in the park and whatever with your dog. I want you to start to think about chaining your commands together and don't be so boring and don't be so predictable by just giving one command leads to another command, leads to the reward because your dog's going to be lazy and just find the path of least resistance and just do the, the same monkey drills over and over again. So, and that's all comes down to structure of a routine. You're too routine, your dog will pick up that pattern and then, and that could be good if you need it, if you need a specific pattern to happen. But not all the times that those patterns always work when the chaotic nature of the world occurs. There's so many different things going on. You want your dog to be reliable and listening to your words, not to the environment around him. So I hope you found some good and worthy training material here today for you to go back home or go back with your dog and work on it. Hopefully, it gets you thinking a little bit about the nature of how to reward and what chaining behaviors are all about. And this is a bit of a training revision. So I do want you to be upping your game when you're training with your dog. It shouldn't, it should always be something that's fun, dynamic, practical, and also clear to your dog so that your dog knows what the hell's going on. And this should also compel you to be teaching your dog new commands because it's good for their brain, good for their body, good for your relationship. And also training is a way of life. It's not just some dogmatic thing that you slip yourself into and go, look, I'm just going to follow the, the, the rituals and the routines and only do those things. I want you to be a little bit open and I want you to think of training as being literally when I say a way of life is the way that you express yourself with your dog. So that way there, the activities that you do together are actually benefiting your dog's life and benefiting your life and that combination between the both. But anyway, I'm just going to keep talking. I'm going to stop myself right now. Take this away. If you have any questions, I think the best way right now to contact us is DM us on Instagram, Life With Your Dog Podcast, and we look at that once a day or once every two days, so we'll get back to you. And as always, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you can go in there and give us a review, that'll be awesome. Give us a five stars. That always helps us. And if you can take a screenshot of me talking right now, if you listen to this on your phone, screenshot it and share it on Instagram or on your Facebook page or in your stories, that always helps as well. Let's get more people listening in so that we can spread the news, spread the word, and so that we're all on the same page training our dogs and showing that um, showing that love to our pooches. Anyway, and show their love to us because we do always appreciate it. Hope you guys and girls are having an awesome day. Until next time. Oh, and next episode, we have a cool guest coming on, talking about some cool things. I hope you listened to last episode that we released with Narelle Cook. Really, really worthy episode for everybody to listen to. She's a nutritionist and a naturopath for both animals and humans. And the information that she gives there is invaluable. Lots of things to learn about. It's not just any plug for her, for her business. I believe in her products. I believe in the work she's done. I've consulted with her heaps of times. Check out the episode we did with Narelle Cook because it was really, really beneficial and something that all dog owners, I think, need to listen to. And, of course, listen to the first episode that we had with her on um, – I couldn't even tell you what number it was, but you just got to search it in your search bar there. But, anyway, I want to talk about that because I think 
it's really important that we have to not just think about training of our dogs and the exercise of our dogs, but we've got to think about the nutrition and what we're feeding them, especially because our dogs can't talk to us and how they feel. We've got to do our best to give them the most optimal nutrition and life we can. Until next time, much love to you all. Have a great day and we'll speak to you next time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website npdogtraining.com or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, dot au. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.